Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. To Puma. <laughs> welcome into Podcast 110. Puma, how are you, brother, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, we're, we we survived the regular season. Uh, it, it started as a thriller with uh, you know Dallas Tampa Bay week one, and it ended with a thriller of different proportions of you know the Chargers and Raiders week eighteen. What's it going to be? The tie game. We can get into that a little bit later, and you know Brandon Staley essentially being at the blackjack table sitting on 20 and he said hit me and it blew up in his face <laughs> but i mean it you know it bookended the the season right jay like it started yeah. off wild and crazy and it ended up wild and crazy and you know can you know maybe it's kind of fate but like the raiders were involved in a crazy game week one against the ravens in overtime and it ended with the raiders in overtime as well too so it's all in all great season uh great one in the books uh, i'm looking forward to the the wild playoff uh, playoff round that we got coming up, uh, super wild card weekend that everyone's trying to peddle us to say. So I just contributed to that at this point, but I- I'm looking forward to a-, a super wild card weekend coming up on tap. Nobody can convince me otherwise, and I'm gonna go to my grave believing that the Raiders were going to run the clock out, and they had the mindset that both teams were gonna take a tie and go into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Brandon Staley of the Chargers had different ideas. I mean, you put it perfectly where he had 20 and he still said, hit me, you know, <laughs> he, had it, he had it as good as, as he could get and he still decided to mess it up. Um, but I, I just felt so bad watching that game because, you know, you know, my affinity for, for Justin Herbert, I think he's, he's an absolutely animal of, of a quarterback and the fact that they were down by 15 points with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter and he converted six fourth downs to get them into overtime. It was just absolutely insane. Uh, unfortunately, Brandon Staley kind of uh, spit the bit. And, you know, I think the one thing about that is, like, this is now two or three national times that he's kind of done this and he's lost, and that's going to resonate with a lot of people. And a lot of these jobs and, you know, things that happen in the, in the NFL usually go off of storylines and what the narrative is, what the public perception is. He, he's been like this all year long, and, you know, unfortunately, week two when he went to Arrowhead and beat the, beat the, beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, he was still this aggressive. Uh, but nobody saw it because it was buried on a one o'clock state with seven mm-hmm. other games going on. However, when he's lost in these big moments and he's been that aggressive, that's going to stick out uh, to a lot of people. And that's going to ultimately, obviously, they're not going to fire after after year one, but that that already keeps an eye on you next season. Well, is he still going to do that? You know, is he going to learn from his mistakes? And if he still keeps doing his aggressive play calling and he keeps, he keeps failing, then, then there's a narrative being built that he's just a guy that can't learn and adjust on the fly, you know? Right, exactly. And I mean, we, we were talking about this offline during the game, like Brandon Staley, like live by fourth down, die by fourth down. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I mean, it it came up on that last drive. But I mean, that, that fourth down when you're on your own 18 yard line and it's like it's not even like fourth and short. It's like mm-hmm. fourth and I think it was like fourth and seven, fourth and eight. Yeah. And I mean, Max Crosby just blew that up. I mean, one, Max Crosby was eating that right guard's lunch mm-hmm. Yeah, Norm, all Storm, day. Norm, Storm Norm was having a hell of a day. Yeah, all day, and like they didn't put a tight end to even attempt to chip mm-hmm. him. Like, I, there's so much we could get into about the Charger game, but it, it just sucks because that would have been a fun a fun team to see in the playoffs. You know, Justin Herbert gets this team back into the game. They end up with the tie. They 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 would have played. They would have gone to Arrowhead, right? Chiefs, yeah, and and I would have. 
I would have considered taking the, and that the Chargers. Prime time? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That would have been a great game. But, you know, mm-hmm. someone had to hit, say hit me at the blackjack table sitting on 20. <laughs> so. Oh my God. Um, yeah, so that, that was unfortunate. But let's. Um, before we get to the the NFL firings and all that on Black Monday, is it just me, but was this football season longer than usual? I feel like we've been through so many storylines, and, and I don't know if it's just maybe the fact that the Patriots themselves, a team that I watch you know, very closely and is my favorite team, it, it, maybe it's the fact that they've had so many storylines with the ups and downs. That's why I feel like it's been so long, because you can count the Patriots season as three seasons. The first half where they were god-awful, they're like two and four. And then they went on a, in a hot streak of winning seven straight games. And now they're back to being god-awful because they've lost the last three or four games. But I just feel like this season and the Patriots and the roller coaster I've ridden with them has taken years off my life. I hear you. I, I think that's that's league-wide, to be honest with you. Not only just because of like the additional game, but like you still had COVID rearing its ugly head towards the end. And you know you had the off-field storylines of you know Deshaun Watson. Like that one wouldn't die all the way up to the trade deadline, and it's even reared its head a little bit now with with the Brian Flores firing. We're going to get into a little bit, and then you know Aaron Rodgers with the immunized uh, fiasco and, you know, his, his buddy, Dr. Joe Rogan and, you know, the, the MVP voting guy chiming in on Aaron Rodgers. Like there's just been so many different storylines weaved in and out, you know, the Colts on hard knocks, like one, it was great for in season hard knocks, Mm -hmm. but then like two, like they, they were this team that was clawing back into the playoff contention. They just had to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars and they came out and they laid an egg. Mm-hmm. Um, on all facets of the game, like Carson Wentz was bad. The offensive line was bad. The defense, for some reason, didn't have an answer for the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's just been so many different storylines in there. And fun fact, I didn't realize this. Apparently, the Colts have not won in Jacksonville since 2014. Yeah, six straight losses. When I saw that stat, I fell off my chair as well. I mean, who knew Like Duval County was the house of horrors for Indianapolis? Honestly, I didn't think it was. But uh, I learned something new on Sunday. But there's just been so many different things. The Antonio Brown fiasco. And, you know, just, oh, so much. The the Chiefs. Like, the Chiefs were, like, the the dynasty was falling. And then they come back and they win the AFC West. There's just been so many different levels of, like, you know, days of our lives meets general hospital drama at the NFL level. Like you say all the time, Jay, it's the greatest drama in all of of human, human, uh, the human condition. Yeah, and I want to hit on that Colts uh, point as well real quick, just because, you know, we have so much to cover today that we're not even going to get to the storyline, but the fact that the Colts were have lost two games in a row and missed the playoffs, I, I think is one of the the biggest, like, falls from grace or the biggest blowjobs of all time. Well, I didn't mean it like that, but the biggest, you know, just the biggest blunders to close out a, a season, you know? Um, I, I fully expected the Colts to to get into the playoffs and be a team that nobody wanted to face. I mean, you saw how, how badly they dismantled the Bills up in Buffalo, how badly they dismantled the Patriots. And I felt like they started getting to the point towards the end of the season where maybe they started reading their own press clippings. Because I've been trying to rationalize this for the last... I would say 24 to 48 hours, wondering how did Frank Reich, who's such a strong lead in the locker room, how did he let that team lose his last two games and miss the playoffs? You know, it's very easy to point at Carson Wentz, and yes, he's a big part of it, but I think there's some bigger issues with that team, um, especially when, when it comes down to the fact that 
like Jonathan Taylor, yes, he he didn't have the best of games against Jacksonville, but like he's a very streaky runner, is what I've noticed. Mm-hmm. There'll be games where he'll he'll be very dominant, and then there'll be games where you're like, uh, is he is he okay back there? Is is he alive? Is he you know is he hurt? Like what's the deal there? And then right. you turn over to, you turn over to the uh, defense as well, and like the best way I can picture it is these guys are streaky, and if you look at the whole season. They had a really rough go of it in the beginning, right? They lost, was it? They were like one and four. Is that what they started out? One and three or whatever it yeah. was. And at that point, everybody's like, all right, well, this team isn't good. And then they had the same, the same meteoric rise as well in the middle of the season where they started winning games and everybody's like, oh, we want to play them. And then they kind of fell off the, the map. And I don't know if it's just a 17 game season that's wearing these guys out, but I, I, I've seen a lot more ups and downs this year. And maybe it's as simple as COVID. I mean, COVID was kind of running through that locker room a couple of weeks ago, and maybe there's some lingering effects that the players are still being felt, you know, two weeks later. But I, I cannot fathom what ha- what has happened with the Colts, and I've been trying to wrap my mind around that. I, I can't I can't rationalize it either. I mean, down the stretch, they did have a lot of people go on the COVID list. Um, the offensive lineman Kelly, he missed time for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Sad story, think- by the way. I, I yeah, I, mean, I I think he might have even ended up on the COVID list. I gotta double check that, but like, there was a lot of like issues like health wise and whatnot uh, going on there. And I, I think it just it, it just came up at the wrong time. And I think it it you have to also chalk it up to like you said, Jay. I think they were reading some of their own press clippings, and I think they just fully expected we're gonna roll the footballs out in Duval County at Jacksonville. Uh, where everyone and their brother was dressed up like clowns trying to get the the cons to fire Trent Balky, and they dropped what what Jacksonville drop on him like almost thirty points like twenty seven like something twenty three to three I believe was the final score yeah like I think they just expected to roll the footballs out there to win and you know we saw that with Buffalo Buffalo lost nine to six and I think it was the same deal they they just thought they're gonna roll the footballs out there and roll and and they lost but. Well, final score was 26-11, just to clarify that. And what's going unnoticed in all of this is because the big storyline is the Colts collapsing. Uh, Trevor Lawrence showed why he was the number one overall pick in that game. Like yes, In he that did. game, he looked absolutely insane. I mean, he had 223 yards, two touchdowns, 23 co- uh, completions on 32 attempts, so a high percentage of completion. And you saw some of the throws he was making in tight windows, and we saw, and I saw this against the Patriots as well. And obviously, it's it's not comparable, but you're looking at Mac Jones on one side, and you're looking at Trevor Lawrence on the other side. And you know, Mac is having having everything diagrammed up for him, schemed up for him, wide open receivers in the end zone. You know, basically most of his throws were wide open. Where on the other end. You know, Trevor Lawrence is just fighting an uphill battle. He's finding the smallest windows possible, and he's rifling the ball in there against the Patriots. And yes, short the day, Max Jones had a better stat line, but I walked away from that game thinking, I see why people are so high on Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the guy can can definitely put the ball in, in the window. But getting back to the Colts, like I, I think this is something that in the offseason moving forward, the Colts need to sit down, have a hard look at themselves, reevaluate who they are in that locker room, especially the coaches. The fact that they weren't able to get these guys ready for two games, you know, and to win one of those games at the end of the season to get in the playoffs. And I and the question has to be asked. Carson Wentz, I'm sorry, like he, he I know he's Frank Reich's boy and you know, I know you have an affinity for him as well, but the fact that the Colts gave up a first-round pick for him now looks foolish. Looks yep. absolutely foolish. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's one of those things where they've got to reassess the quarterback position, maybe because of where they are and the fact that they're not going to be able to land a prize free agent or even trade for one of the big dogs. There's not many of them any great quarterbacks in this year's class. They might have to stick with them for one more year. 
But I, I think that's something you've got to look at very closely and reevaluate. Yep, for sure. For sure. And, then, and they were kind of in a weird spot of like early in the year where they could have started to bench him. So it wasn't a first round pick. It would have just been like, I, I think it would have been a second rounder or a third rounder, if I'm trying to remember correctly, depending on how many snaps he played. But then they started getting hot. And it's like, okay. Well, we don't really want to end this hot streak, so we're going to live and die with him. And I think, like, one of the last couple of snaps he took against the Pats game sealed the deal for it being a first-round draft pick. So it was like it was a rock and a hard place. I understand the coach's decision of you're on a hot streak, we're going to keep rolling with it and, and not break up the band. Um, but, yeah, looking back, a first-rounder for Carson Wentz, oof, oof for sure. Dude, they had they had the Buccaneers in a stranglehold with a ten point lead in the fourth quarter, and it wasn't for Tom Brady's miraculous play that got him that win with the Buccaneers, but they had the, the Buffalo Bills on the ropes. They won 41-15. I mean, they streamrolled the Texans thirty one zero. They made the Patriots look. They basically broke the Patriots in, in a weird sense. I mean, after that, the Patriots haven't been the same. Uh, they beat the Cardinals with ease, twenty-two sixteen, and then you la- then you lose the last two games of the season. I just I think this is something that's getting buried because of what's happening, everything else in the league with Black Monday and the NFL playoffs. But this is a little bit of a stain on 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 the Colts and who they are as an organization, and even Frank Reich himself. Yep, for sure. Yeah. I right, well, let's move on, and I just mentioned it with Black Monday. Uh, usually, the day after the regular season ends, quite a bit of coaches get fired. Uh, you, we have a lot of open seats right now. I'm going to detail the coaches that got fired. Uh, right now, Matt Nagney has been let go by the Bears. Uh, Mike Zimmer has been let go by the Vikings. Vic Fangio has been let go by the Broncos. Urban Meyer was let go in the middle of the season. Joe Judge got let go tonight. Um, John Gruden resigned uh, in the middle of the season. And then your boy, Brian Flores, and the shocking move of yesterday was also fired by the Dolphins. Let me start with the Brian Flores aspect of this because I know he's near and dear to your heart. What was your reaction when you saw Brian Flores was let go? I mean, he's had two winning scenes in a row. He's had an impeccable record against the Patriots, 4-2. and two. What was your thoughts when you saw the, the news come across your ticker? So honestly, I me I, I was not surprised a whole lot that he was he was fired. Um, uh, just yeah, he had the he had the back to back winning seasons, but you know I said on the pod earlier this year when we were talking about the Watson deep dives and and whatnot. And I believe I even said a little bit last year there was a lot of coaching turnover. Like with the with his three years there, they went through four different offensive line coaches, three different offensive coordinators. At times this year, the co-offensive coordinator experiment looked like an absolute disaster i mean there was his first year uh in in as a head coach in the nfl um his original offensive line coach i think lasted three weeks and then he ran them out he ran them out of the building they brought they brought in the uh de Guglielmo from new england to be an offensive line coach he lasted a year there's this constant turnover. You're seeing rumblings coming out that he was a, a hard dude to work for. He was uh, belittling to people and players in the locker room. Um, he apparently was not the biggest Tua fan. Would you know? Would dress him down in front of everybody. Uh, I guess you know. Call him a punk you? at times. Really? And, and real, wow. And re, yep. And and real quick, I got on, on good background today, uh, a person close to the situation. We, we were talking about the Brian Flores situation. And um, on, on very good background, I was told that at one point uh, during either the offseason or earlier this season, 
uh, Brian Flores and, and Chris Greer uh, had an altercation. I wasn't told if it was like if it was just a verbal altercation or a physical type of deal. But ever since this altercation occurred, um, they did not talk to each other for six months. They did not Oof. talk to each other for six months. They did. They would not make eye contact. Um, a lot of discussion basically would be going through an intermediary between the general manager and the head coach, which is never a good thing. Um, so I'm not surprised. Flow is gone. Um, like I said, hard dude to work for, especially with the info I got on background today. And I think the more surprising thing to me is that Chris Greer didn't hit the streets. Like mm-hmm. I'm more surprised at that. Because Greer is not hit in the latest in, in, in his in his draft classes, like at all. I think maybe he hit, uh, he hit on Christian Wilkins. I'm high on Christian Wilkins, the defensive lineman out of Clemson. Um, but that that's really it. And Jalen Waddle. I mean, those well, those two. That's it. Well, Puma, and that's my well. First of all, great job breaking news on the podcast. You look at you. I've, I haven't heard Adam Schefter even tweet this out yet. Okay. Yep. So yep. you heard good background. Puma, good background for Puma here. Breaking news, but. When I saw that as well, and now that you're reading these stories coming out of Miami, I, I was surprised that Chris Gear wasn't let go as well because it seems like there was a serious issue between head coach and general manager. And if you look at it in a vacuum, the head coach was more successful doing his job than the GM was doing his job because at the end of the day, you know, he's been there for three years now, uh, Brian Flores, his first year he took over a dumpster fire of an organization and he lost seven straight, but he ended up winning the last five, right? Built mm-hmm. some momentum going into <clears throat> next year. He, from what I heard, in going into year two, he wanted to take Justin Herbert instead of Tua, right? And it looks like it was overruled that he had to take Tua. So you're sticking him with the quarterback that he didn't want. And if he would have taken the quarterback that, you know, Brian Flores wanted, it looks like you guys might have had some success with how Justin Herbert's panning out. So second year with a, with a you know, a some hits, in the, some hits and some misses in the draft. Second year, he goes 10-6. and six. And now this year, yeah, they start out, you know, with seven straight losses, but then they end up winning seven or was it eight of the last nine? Is that what the, the final tally was? I mean, they ended yep. up being nine and eight. So if you look at it in a vacuum, looks like Brian Flores was better at his job than the GM was at his job. So I can only deduce it, deduce it down to the fact that the general manager probably had the ear of the owner, right? If, if Stephen Ross was probably aligned with, with the GM, then that's probably why Brian Flores is, has hit the streets. Exactly. And I mean, you got to think about how long uh, Greer's been there. He's been there for 20 years. I, I think mm-hmm. he, he worked under Tannenbaum and company. He cut his teeth, you know, in the scouting department and he really worked his way up to the ladder. Um, but definitely he definitely has the, the ear of Stephen Ross and like the two a thing like that's even like, you know, kind of depending on who you're asking, like some people will co-sign to Tua was force fed to Brian Flores and then there's other folks like Omar Kelly, longtime reporter for the Miami Sun Sentinel, uh, did a did an awesome thread. You can go to my Twitter page at Brando underscore Puma, and you'll see the retweet. Uh, he had a great thread, and he was saying, you know, at the time they had this dynamic where if Flores was really that sold on Justin Herbert, Chris Greer would have acquiesced and said, okay, we'll draft Herbert. Mm. So it even that's kind of a split. A split of uh, of the house, depending on who you're getting your reporting from. Me personally, I said this on the pod earlier this year around like the Watson trade talks when the Herbert comparison came up on the team. If Herbert was on the Dolphins, I guarantee you we still would have found a way to fuck it up because the offensive line was still bad. The skill position players weren't that great. 
Um, you know, Devontae Parker had that one flash in the pan year. Uh, you know, his fir- his first year under Brian Flores, the 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 year uh, the rookie year of Tua Tagovailoa, he he wasn't that great. He kind of fell off. He got hurt a little bit. Preston Williams was hurt. Like, th- I-, I think we still would have found a way to botch it with Justin Herbert, in my opinion. Um, but well, well, Puma. I mean, have you seen what Brandon Staley is doing to Justin Herbert? I feel like Justin Herbert's that quarterback that's like unflappable in this. Like wherever you stick him, and the fact that on Sunday night the right side of the Chargers' offensive line had was getting demolished by Max Crosby, and he was still able to produce. I think he might he might have been all right, even with with how badly. Brandon I Staley... <laughs> I will still say Miami would have found a way to to botch it. Okay, like all that's. Right. That's just my that's my take on on my team, but mm-hmm. this firing, as much as everyone's kicking and screaming about the the winning record, um, this had a lot more to do with what was going on behind closed doors in uh, in Miami Gardens and, well, and Hard Rock Stadium. Well, listen, yeah, obviously it's your team, and I think you know better than than me on this because you follow them closely. But like, I think as I learn more about this Brian Flores situation, you know. I'm not letting him off the hook either because he seems like he was a very volatile person to work with. Um, the rumblings were that he couldn't get along with offensive line coaches or offensive coordinators. There have been you know, a revolving door at those positions. And now that, you know, you're saying that he was calling to a punk in, in, in meetings or in the building. I mean, that's just, that's just, you know, that's emasculating, right? In, in a yep. sense. And in today's NFL, you can't do that. We saw what happened with Urban Meyer down in Jacksonville. We we saw with the Timmy Toughness that is Joe Judge up in New York. You saw what Brian Flores, you know, obviously he got canned because his his demeanor was, was shit. You, you can't be that old school 1970s, you know, coach in today's NFL. Or you're going to be in the boot very quickly because if you lose a locker room, you've got to understand that locker room and those players in the locker room have more power than you do. Right, and the thing too, we talked about this offline when we were talking about the Pats game uh, with Kyle Van Noy specifically, and I mentioned that Van Noy was shipped out because he was criticizing the game plan a lot. And it got to the point, not only was he criticizing the game plan, but the locker room was split. Not only along the lines of Fitz or Tua, but also like players actually co-signing with the criticisms that Brian Van Noy was levying against Brian Flores. Like some of the game plan calling, some of the preparation and whatnot. That's why Brian, that's why Kyle Van Noy found his way back to New England this year, and they cut him for pennies on the dollar. And he was a dead cap hit after he signed in, in free agency the year before. So like, if if you weren't singing from the music sheet that Brian Flores was putting out there, you were going to be persona non grata in that locker room. Mm, okay. Well, then let's move this forward, right, with the Dolphins. And obviously, Stephen Ross came out because immediately once this Brian Flores news hit, people started linking Jim Harbaugh, a Michigan man, with Stephen Ross. You know, the Dolphins is also a Michigan mm-hmm. man. So that storyline was getting some traction yesterday, but it seems like Stephen Ross is doing his best to try to keep Jim Harbaugh at uh, at Michigan. Uh, reports came out yesterday that, you know, because of how the structure is set up in college football, boosters can't supplement the, 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 the coach's contract contract or the players contracts or nil deals or whatever it is and since you know steven ross does have some deep pockets and is a big booster of michigan he was probably going to try to supplement the uh the 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 contract for uh for jim harbour to keep him at michigan so let's say he's out of the table right who would you like to see be the the next head coach of the miami dolphins um at this juncture wouldn't surprise me if they went to an offensive-minded guy like a brian daybowl or Kellen Moore out of Dallas. Um, those would kind of be 
my two front runners in the clubhouse, same individual that gave me background on the Harbaugh, on the uh, Greer-Flores split, also gave me a little bit of background on Harbaugh. Uh, I guess Harbaugh actually did reach out to Stephen Ross and essentially said, like, come get me. And, really? Yep. Same, same individual, good background, was told that Stephen Ross, after the firing of Brian Flores, prior to Stephen Ross's Zoom call, he reached out to Stephen Ross and essentially said, you know, come get me. I will I will come be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And Stephen Ross is trying to play hard to get because he doesn't want to take Harbaugh from his alma mater. But I think if the, the coaching search kind of comes up skunk, I think Harbaugh may still be the guy as a leader in the clubhouse, especially when some of the beat reporters or former beat reporters like Armando Salguera of the Miami Herald as well, too. He also works for OutKick now, uh, mentioned that Stephen Ross is looking for a head coach with prior experience and success in the NFL. Jay, I don't know about you, but like some of the coaches out there that are available for interviews, maybe I'm wrong, don't have a whole lot of success, whether or not we want to agree or not. Harbaugh has had success in mm-hmm. the NFL as a coach. He brought a team to the Super Bowl. He he got the best out of Alex Smith and he got the best out of Colin Kaepernick. He could he could still potentially be the guy. I think it's going to be whether or not Stephen Ross is willing to accept taking him from his alma mater. But Harbaugh is willing to go if Ross says go. Well, if that's the case, then maybe Stephen Ross Florida that you know that soundbite out there to make it as if he wasn't trying to take away mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh. It was put more on Jim Harbaugh leaving. You feel me? Yeah. Because once you fold that out there, then he's aligned with the Michigan fans as in, all right, well, he's trying to do his best to keep, you know, Jim Harbaugh here. But now the onus is on Jim Harbaugh if he leaves Michigan. Yep. That's that's interesting. Look at Puma breaking down some Adam Schefter level news on the podcast. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> Good stuff, uh, and this so, is on very good background. I am not making this up out of thin air. This is person came to me, and we discussed the Flores situation, and that led to the Harbaugh deal. Okay, okay. Um, so basically, last question before we move off this topic: If you had to guess right now, who do you think would be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins in twenty twenty two? Right now, getting ahead, I'll go with Harbaugh. Mm, okay, okay, all right. Yeah, listen. I think if the if the Dolphins land him somehow, that would be absolutely wonderful. He, he's he's a better NFL head coach than he's a college coach because the college game, the college game that he signed up for five years ago, is not the same college game now. We've seen the insane changes in the college landscape with NIL and transfer portals. It's basically the wild wild west in in college football right now. There's mm-hmm. I was thinking about this the other day. Like a player can go to a school, transfer the next year without any contracts like it's basically free agency with no contracts and no stipulations nothing binds you in you collect your money for a year you can go to a different team and play for a different team the year after that like it's the wild west out there and a lot of these older coaches like the jim harbaugh's and the nick sabans they're hell bent on not trying to play that game so i could see it maybe in his mind he's thinking oh, i don't gotta deal with these kids trying to hit me up for a shoe deal or a watch deal like i don't want to deal with that let me just go to the nfl and, and do what i know best and, and to be real he was a successful nfl head coach right yeah he had alex Smith with the 49ers for a little bit, got him to the playoffs. He finally found Colin Kaepernick, and that propelled him into the Super Bowl. Um, I think I think he could possibly have that level of success in Miami as well. So for your sake, I, I think it would be great to have Jim Harbaugh in, in the AFC East. And I can only imagine the 
the, the shit talking he would do. Can you imagine the pressers between yeah. him and friggin' Belichick? Yeah. yeah oh yeah. my god. Well, you remember when Jim Harbaugh was at Stanford and he beat the, the vaunted USC back in the heyday? He goes across the field, shakes Pete Carroll's hand, and he gives him like some attitude. Remember that? Yep. Uh, Pete Carroll's like, well, what'd you do that for? And then, like, Jim Harlow's mocking him, like, oh, what'd you do that for? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yep. I think that, that would The handshake kinda... was too hard that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I could only imagine the, the handshakes that Belichick and Jim Harbaugh would have. That would be legendary. Yeah. That would be great. That would be must-see TV. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, in regards to the coaches that have been fired, do we expect any other names to be added to the list? Is, is a David Culley in Houston safe? Is there, right now, there's seven openings, you know, and that's all, that's on par with the league average on a yearly basis. Uh, but can we see other names being added to this list? Uh, I think what is out there right now is probably like the best that's going to happen. I, I don't think they're going to get rid of David Culley. I think if they were, they would have done it by now. Um, I think the, lo- the, the the locker room actually kind of rallied around Cully at times during the season. Um, he didn't seem to get the best out of Davis Mills, mm-hmm. considering how short of a deck he was handed for this Houston Texans team. Um, but that's not beyond the realm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Casario picked up the phone and tried to get his buddy Josh McDaniels down to New England South, known as Houston. But mm-hmm. um, gut instinct, I think Cully might it might be safe for one more year uh, as a head coach for the Houston Texans. Um, Rick Bisaccia, there's been people saying he might still get, keep the gig as the Raiders head coach. He's the interim guy right now. He filled in for, for uh, John Gruden after he resigned. Uh, me personally, I think Rick Basachi is going to be let go at the end of the year. Um, I personally wouldn't be surprised if maybe a Byron Leftwich or a Kellen Moore found their way as the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. But that's kind of where where I'm going with what the wind's blowing right now. Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that, and we'll bring you guys the latest information on that uh, as the NFL world turns. But we have some bigger fish to fry. We have the best time of the year about to start in the National Football League, and that is Super Wild Card Weekend is here. Playoffs are here, baby. Let's um, go. Saturday, the first game to kick off, we've got the Las Vegas Raiders going to the jungle in Cincinnati to take on the Bengals at 4.30 p.m. And I'm going to be watching it very intently. My sister's going to be watching it. She's ready for it. She's excited. She's into it. She got that face paint. She got the, the shoulder pads <laughs> with the spikes. She's looking like she's ready for the Legion of Doom. Yeah, yeah. And this is a little bit of a rematch because these guys met back in November. And the Bengals trounced the uh, the Raiders back then. 32-13 was the final score. But, you know, Puma, right off the bat, who do you think is going to win this game? I'm going to go with the Bengals here. It, the, the spread's at five. The over-under is 49 and a half. Um, you know, uh, kudos to the Raiders. They found their way into the playoffs. Given the tumultuous season that they've had of, you know, John Gruden resigning, Henry Ruggs getting in the the uh, the DUI accident that killed somebody, Damon Arnett getting released because he threatened to kill somebody on Snapchat. <laughs> You know, just whatever could have happened with the Raiders really did. And Derek Carr and Rick Bisaccia really steadied the ship in all of this. They went on a, a three-game winning streak to, to punch their ticket to the playoffs uh, against the Chargers on Sunday. But I, I just I feel like that magic's going to run out against Joe Burrow and and, um, and Jamar Chase. Chase is a man, is a dude. He is he's just a straight up dude. You know, I was I was critical of the pick. 
Uh, I thought they should have gotten offensive linemen. Uh, they found a way to make it work. Joe Burrow has actually been pretty upright, but he did get dinged up that the the game prior mm-hmm. to the last game. He did sit out last week's game uh, to rest up a bit, uh, but I guess his knee's going to be okay. Um, I, I I like the Bengals at home in this spot. Um, you know, kudos to the Raiders, but I I think the the Bengals are going to easily cover this five. I wouldn't be surprised if they won by more than a touchdown. I mean, Casey Hayward is the, the, the best corner in that secondary, but it, there's just so many weapons with Jamar Chase and, and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins and even C.J. Uzama, the tight end, mm-hmm. Joe Mixon. Like, that's, you know, Darren Waller's a dude, too. Um, you know, Brian Edwards started to come along a little bit down the stretch, but I just I, I feel like firepower-wise, it's going to be a tough task to, te- to keep up with the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah, and you're spot on, right? The Raiders were such a great story this year, man. Like, I've said this a couple of weeks in a row now. Like, I understand Derek Carr is not in the MVP race, but he's got to be recognized somehow. Like, what he has done for that locker room to provide leadership, to keep it all together, is something of magic. I mean, his intangibles are off the charts, right? Um, Usually, when a head coach gets fired... You know, I'm sure it took a while for a locker room to warm up to Basaccia, right? And I mm-hmm. think in that interim, Derek Carr is probably the guy they look to for leadership. You know, and that's why we always talk about quarterbacks so much. A lot of people sometimes get nauseated with us talking about quarterbacks and this and that. But they are the most important, you know, uh, part of a football team, in my opinion. They basically provide leadership. They touch the ball the most. Sometimes a team can even, you know, take on the identity uh, of their quarterback. And I think that's what's happening with the Raiders. I mean, you're starting to see the toughness that Derek car displays kind of get down into Max Crosby and Darren Waller and all those guys and it's a it's a great story I would love for uh, ESPN to do a 30 for 30 down the road on, on the cars on this season with the, with the Raiders however the Bengals just have so much goddamn firepower man it's it's not even funny I'm watching some of the throws that Dar- that uh Joe Burrow made against um, the Kansas State Chiefs and he's like I don't want to sound in a bad way, but he's so arrogant with his throws. Like, if he sees one-on-one coverage out there, he's going there. It doesn't matter. Like, he's so cocky with his arm talent and his placement of the ball and how far he can drive the ball. He's like, if you put one-on-one out there, that that man's getting the ball. And and he has the receivers that can break man coverage easily. You've got Boyd. You've got Higgins. You've got Jamar Chase, who's probably going to be the offensive rookie of the year. And probably the best wide receiver I've seen as a rookie since Randy Moss. We saw Justin Jefferson last year. But I think, I think Jamar Chase, being a little bigger, is a little bit more explosive as well. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a game that, you know, whether isn't going to be a factor in any way it's going to be a clear sky day for the most part it's going to be cold in cincinnati but there's no precipitate precipitation or wind so i got the Bengals winning i think it's going to be a little bit of a blowout truthfully i mean this is probably going to be a little bit of a like a 30 31 to a 17 type of game um i think the only chance the raiders have is if they obviously force turnovers and they just run the hell out of the ball with joe with um with josh jacobs keep keep joe burrow on the sideline Yep. Now, Jay, I, I gotta ask. I know Skyline Chili is like the hallmark so good. So of good. Cincinnati. Is so is good. that like in your neck of the woods in Columbus, mm-hmm. or do you like have to mm-hmm. go to Cincinnati to get the Skyline Chili? It's it's uh, it's throughout Ohio, right? So what okay. they've done is they've started expanding throughout Ohio. We have one right down the street from here in Columbus, um, but Skyline Chili. It's it's 
it's a, just a masterful product because their cheese is so good. Their buns are soft. Like, it's just so good. If you ever make it out to Cincinnati, please, please try some Skyline Chili. You will have a boner. I, 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 I will. Are you going to get some that. Skyline Chili for the game? I, I might have to. I'm talking about it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And the one thing you cannot do is you cannot get Gold Star Chili because there's a competing brand in Cincinnati that pretends they're as good as Skyline. But trust me, they ain't good at all, okay? So if if you had to compare it to coffee, Skyline Chili, in your opinion, is Starbucks. Yes. And Gold Star Chili is the piss water known as Dunkin' Donuts. Correct. You know it on, uh, you know, I ha- you have it on good authority that I call Dunkin' Donuts piss water because <laughs> I, I, I refuse to put that in my body, okay? My body mm-hmm. is a temple, and I will not put piss water into my temple. Gotcha. Only- now, Jay. Only high quality coffee from Starbucks goes in this body, okay? Now, now, Jay, I gotta set this game up for you because you're the, you're the Pats fan. Oh boy! We have in the prime time slot on Sunday uh, on Saturday. You have the New England Patriots going back up to Old Orchard Park against the Buffalo Bills. The point spread is at plus is uh, is at four. Who do you got? Pats, Bills, round three. I feel like this is Rocky Balboa, Apollo Creed. What what are we gonna get in this slugfest? What are we gonna get in the rubber match? Well, Puma, I um, I you know I'm a Patriots fan. I, I love my team. I I wanted this matchup so bad because Bill Patriots part three is gonna be must watch TV, right? It's it's a rubber match. It's a tiebreaker for the season, and I I want so badly to want the Patriots to win this game. However, I just can't see it. I can't logically bring myself to pick the Patriots to win this game because I've seen this team, we've talked about this a little bit earlier, have three different seasons in one season. They had the abysmal start where they were 2-4. and four. They had the, the big winning streak where they went seven straight wins in a row. And now they've lost three out of the last four to close out the season. And they look like they're regressing. Mac Jones looks like he's regressing. The defense can't stop a nosebleed. I, 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 I in good conscience, cannot pick them to to win this win this game and my I, I was hoping going to the Miami game you know obviously the last four games we lost to the Bills uh, we lost to the Colts we won against the Jags but really I mean who cares it's the Jags but I was hoping this last week against the against the Miami Dolphins we would be able to get some mojo back play a good team you know get feel feel good about ourselves go into the playoffs strong however like the defense comes out gives up seven points immediately and then Mac Jones on the next drive throws a, a pretty brutal interception that he's telegraphed all the way and uh, the defender picks it off and takes it back and you're down by 14 points immediately. And if that's the case, if the Patriots get down by 14 points, they're done for. They cannot, Mac Jones just cannot throw them back into the game, right? Um, the Patriots can win this game one way and one way only is if they play from ahead, if they front run, if they run the ball really well, if they play good defense from ahead. If they get down or it's close, I have I have no faith in in Mac Jones and, and the Patriots team to, to, to win out. And... You know the whole Mac Jones thing. I've been I've been really hard on him lately, just because I I view the quarterback position in a different light than most people. I I, I think the quarterback position is by far the most important, especially in today's NFL. A lot of people want to misguide. A lot of people have misguided comments that say that well, you need a good defense to win and you need a good running attack. And yes, that's fine to have, but in today's NFL, not the 1980s NFL, you've got to have a quarterback that's going to be able to throw you for at least 30 points to win the game. Like it's you're not going to have a standout performance every single a week from your defense you will eventually need your quarterback to ride you home and Mac Jones just isn't that guy mm-hmm. 
I uh, I completely agree. I'm I'm with you. I got I got the Bills winning this game. It's at four for betting purposes. I wouldn't look at you funny if you put money down on New England to cover the four. But Jay, I'm I'm at the point where I think the the crucial win and win in convincing fashion, even though they did leave points on the field in the second round of this matchup in Foxborough. Um, I think that really kind of, you know, brought Sean McDermott back down to earth because I said this on the pod right after uh, the Bills lost at home against the Pats that I, I think Sean McDermott gets way too amped up and he gets outside of himself uh, and doesn't coach a great game when he when he's going up against the Pats and and uh, and, and Bill Belichick. I think we're going to see a similar game plan. I think he's going to keep the old man off his uh, off his A game. You're going to see the Bills go for it a little bit more on fourth down. Um, to, to shake things up with the game plan for New England. Um, you know, even the secondary for the Bills, even with the loss of Tredavious White, they ended the season as the number one defense in the NFL. So, like, this defense is legit. The secondary can do its job. Um, I say it all the time. Starlu Talele, if he's able to go, he's been in and out of the lineup this year with COVID and other health issues and whatnot. But if he's able to go and doesn't have a snap count, um, he is going to be crucial to plugging the run uh, that the New England Patriots are going to try to force down their throats. Um, the Mac Jones thing, spot on. Um, I talked about this around the Colts game where Mac Jones, to me, is not the type of dude that's going to throw you back into a game. If you get into a hole, it is going to be a tough task to get out of it. And, I mean, we saw it three out of the last four games. Like you said, the Jacksonville game doesn't really count uh, because it's the Jags. Well, the Colts might like a word, but it's the Jags. Um, but he's not going to throw you back into a game. It's been a lot of pity parties around there of the bye week and how you know that that screwed them up, and they feel like they might be getting railroaded with this game here because it's at eight fifteen on a Saturday. There's just so much, you know, to me, a little bit of turmoil in the locker room about feeling slighted, which normally. Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, if Brady was in that locker room and they felt like there was a slight, that was bulletin board material to add as fuel to get them to the Super Bowl that year. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of what the uh, what I grew up with, with New England and Tom Brady at the helm. But I'm, I'm going with the Bills, laying the four points. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they won by 10, but I'm going with the, the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen just running all over them. No, you got a good point about the Patriots because, you know, we used to be, and I say this all the time, the vaunted New England Patriots. It wasn't even just about, you know, the talent we had on the field. It was our mindset. It was the fact that we were coming in. We were going to wreck your shit. And now we have guys, like, just soft players, individuals in our locker room talking about, you know, bye weeks and not having enough days off in the bye weeks. And they felt sorry for themselves. And, and I just... This this goes back to my original point that that has caused a fissure in my in my you know division of, of fandom for Patriots, uh, Patriots fandom. Like you know, Bill Belichick is the guy that pushed Tom Brady out the door. This is what he wanted. Bill Belichick wanted this moment exactly right now because he wanted to go into a playoff game with a average quarterback, with a good defense, and with a running attack, and, and he was going to outcoach the other team. And now he has this chance. This is on you, Bill Belichick, to show us what you're made of. Because we all remember that quote that he, you know, famously gave to Ian O'Connor about how, you know, weak room with a with an average quarterback, it wasn't all Brady. And and just to remind the people, 
Since Brady has left the Patriots in the regular and postseason, he's 28 of 9. He's 28 um, wins and 9 losses, 93 touchdowns, 11,000 passing yards, and a quarterback rating of 101. You tell me where the drop-off is, and you tell me if that guy isn't worth two years, $25 million a year. Hmm? Mm-hmm. So it's 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 uh, it's on Bill. I mean, this is this is his moment to shine. This is what he wanted. Um, you know, I think with the the, the Buffalo Bills, they're gonna have players back that they didn't have in the first. I'm sorry, in the second meeting with Cole Beasley and who was the other receiver that had COVID as well? Was it um something Evans or something Lee? Who was it? Um, um uh, Gabe Davis. Yes, yes, Gabe. My bad, my bad. So Gabe Davis and Cole Beasley are gonna be back. I think that's going to cause even more fits for the the Patriots secondary because if you spread these guys out and you essentially put Jalen Mills on an island, if I'm Josh Allen, I'm looking for number two every single play until they until the Patriots force him to do something else. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny. Uh, so this game there there may be uh, some inclement weather going on. It's Buffalo. It's in the wintertime. There's always a chance of lake effect snow. I oh, guess boy, it's going to go. be you know pretty. Uh, it's going to be below freezing uh, at kickoff. Jay, I saw this uh, this poll. I feel like NBC Sports Boston may have taken it down, but the poll essentially was if the weather's going to be uh, you know pretty bad and the, the Pats end up in a bit of a hole, should they go to Brian Hoyer? Oh that is where God. we're at. Now Are you I understand what, now I understand what NBC Sports is doing. Oh They're trying to generate God. traffic, but the fact that that is a question that people are asking. And the messed up thing is, like, people actually voted yes. Like, you should put Brian Hoyer in there if the weather gets bad and you find yourself in a little bit of a hole. That tells you everything you need to know. Everything you need to know. I'm so disheartened to hear that. I mean, the fact that we're even at that point. and And I get it. Sometimes media outlets can be outlandish to drive traffic. I get that. But... Is there any other like market in the NFL that's doing this? Like, is a New York market saying they should be benching Zach Wilson? I mean, is uh, like would they ever say this about Brady? Obviously, no, because Brady's a different category. But that that's just so disheartening. That that just ruined my night, Puma. And, and I'm yeah, looking at the so- weather right now. The weather it says. Uh, I'll, I'll let you finish it in a second, but. I am concerned with the weather because the wind um, could get up to seven miles per hour. And um, that is concerning for Mac Jones, who has issues throwing when the air conditioning is set on high, you know? <laughs> so the the poll, it's actually still up. They didn't, they didn't take it down. 78% voted, no, you leave Mac Jones in there. But 22% of the folks in a poll that 19,772 people voted on, 22% said, yeah, put Brian Hoyer in. Puma, um, can I have I have a confession? Yep. I was watching that Miami Dolphins game, and uh-huh. uh, in the back of my mind, uh, it creeped in. Is Jared Stidham able to go in? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. I, I'm not lying to you. And I don't know what's going on with Jared Stidham. I don't know if he's – I think he's off the IR now, and he can be – and he can play, but – Listen, like, I'm not trying to pile on Mac Jones, and maybe in the future he can turn out to be something that we don't see just yet, but I was more than fair to Mac Jones in the first half of the season. I gave him his time to grow without any criticism. However, I have not seen any progress at all from him. I cannot point to one thing he's doing better now than he did in week one of the NFL season. I can't point to one marquee game that he won. Like, I, I guess if you want to point to the uh, the Cleveland Browns win, uh, I guess that one, sure. But looking back on it now, Cleveland was ravaged with COVID, and they basically gave up on defense. They, you know, Miles Garrett was talking after the game about how they didn't even adjust on the fly. So, 
I, I, I'm concerned that Mac Jones isn't getting better. I'm not talking about his statistical performance. I'm talking about can he hold his zone? Can he look through the Miami Dolphins blitz defense and see where to put the ball instead of airmailing it or fumbling it or um, or throwing pick sixes? I just I think he's regressing, and that's a concern because usually you're supposed to build towards the end of a rookie season. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Fun times. But. but <laughs> But, you know, as uh, Chris Gasper of uh, the Boston Globe said, uh, you can't say that stuff because the woke Mac mob will come after you. What the fuck? <laughs> Unbelievable. Can't say anything. You hate to see it. Ugh, hate to see it. I'm going to move on before I really divulge into the whole Mac Mac Jones topic. And I use his full name, so that's always a good thing as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, look at that. This is a big step, Jay. It's a big step. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the Sunday game, the game that I'm looking forward to the most. My, um, well, actually, after the after the Patriots game, but I'm looking forward to watching the Philadelphia Eagles travel down to Tampa Bay to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Um, the number one pass offense taking on the number one run offense. Um, that should be an interesting, fun matchup to see. So Puma, let me ask you first: Who do you got win this game? I got the Bucks winning this game, but the numbers at eight and a half. I think the Eagles are going to hang. I think they're going to cover the eight and a half. Really? Um, I think so. I mean, I go back to earlier this season. It was granted it's Thursday night football, so you got to take it with a grain of salt. But the Eagles did cover. They did cover against the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, mm-hmm. down the end down the stretch at the end of the game. Uh, and that was when Nick Sirianni really, we all thought, was just the biggest buffoon of a rookie head coach. I mean, he seemed to have righted the ship. The Eagles have been on a bit of a hot streak. They they won. They they punched their ticket to the playoffs. Uh, their defense is pretty decent. Uh, they got Darius Slay out there. So you got to figure Slay is going to be on Mike Evans. Um, Antonio Brown quitting mid-game. He's not mm-hmm. going to be there, obviously. Chris Godwin, he's out with the knee injury. So... I mean, who's really going to step up at this point? Like, is it Scotty Miller? Is it, um, I forget his name, Geisen, Grayson? He, he hey, kind of hey, filled in this, for it. Hey, this is the starting core of wide receivers that Tom Brady yeah, went go out for there. It. Cyril Grayson, yep. Scotty Miller, Richard yep. Perriman, Mike Evans, uh, Le'Veon Bell is, is the players that he was throwing to, and Gronk was the players he's throwing to on Sunday. Yep. So Leave like you gotta fig- the slowest running back in the NFL right now. <laughs> yep, you gotta figure Slay is gonna be on Mike Evans and you know Bashard Perriman, who can stretch a defense. So like it isn't beyond the realm that he gets gets a fifty yard touchdown bomb from Tom Brady. But I just feel like they're going to be able to keep within the number, um, especially with what you know Jalen Hurts can do with his legs and the the Hurts to Devonta Smith connection is legit i think they may find some success through the air um like i said give me tampa bay to win outright but i'm taking the eagles to actually cover the eight and a half really wow interesting i I have the bucks winning uh in a little bit of a blowout i think it's going to be a double digit win for these guys just because you know at the end of the day the the bucks have their issues you know today we saw that uh, you know, luckily Shaquille Barrett came off the uh, the, the the injured reserve list, and he's going to be able to play. Um, JPP is going to be back now. Levante David will still keep an eye on him, see if Levante David is back. But you know, this is the story with the Buccaneers all year long. They've just been injury riddled or COVID riddled. They have lost so many players, and luckily for them, they still have the magic eraser that is Tom Brady, right? And the reason why, if the, if any other quarterback was playing on offense for the Buccaneers this weekend with all the injuries they had and all the drama, losing Godwin and AB, I would be really concerned. 
but it's Tom Brady, right? I, I think the number, the fact that you can't run on the Bucks defense is going to be the issue for the Eagles. They're going to have to put the ball in Jalen Hurts' hand to win them the game. And in that case, I'll take Tom Brady in a shootout against Jalen Hurts any day of the week. And it's pretty remarkable. I know, you know, there's a there's a strong push that Aaron Rodgers is going to win the MVP. And I don't know why. Like, I need somebody to explain this to me because maybe I'm a Brady fan. I can't see it. But the numbers are similar. I, I well, actually I think I think Tom Brady's numbers are much better. He's he leads you know most categories for quarterbacks for the year of age forty four, and their record is the same as well. They both ended up thirteen and four, and because of the tiebreaker, obviously Green Bay got the the number one seed. But at thirteen and four, they're they're kind of the same. And you know what Brady has done this year on the fly, reinventing the wide receiver room on the fly. The fact that he's throwing to these no names again, like he did for so much of his years in New England, whether it was Amendola or Edelman or wherever it is, he's back to that level, throwing to like Scotty Miller and Brashard Perriman and. Grayson so I think with Tom Brady and who he is I think it's going to be the, the magic eraser and I'm just glad that this Buccaneers team is playing in my mind the weakest team in the playoffs right now mm-hmm. all right yeah. uh, and then uh, all right so let's move on to the next game which is the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Cowboys your favorite uh, guy Jimmy G <laughs> actually I will give him some props Jimmy G did impress me on Sunday I, I was watching him against the, the Rams and they were down by 17 points, but he throws them all the way back into the game. And no lie, he looked pretty good at times. I think maybe his hand is feeling well. Listen, I've never had an issue with Jimmy G and his throwing ability. I just think he's he's soft. I think if he has a hangnail, he's not playing that day. You feel me? He's not going to battle through injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, is it also sad? I have another confession when he was making that comeback. I was like, you know, if you pair up Mac Jones and Jimmy G, you would have the perfect quarterback tandem duo because for... For the four games that Jimmy G is not going to be there, Mac Jones can somewhat run the offense. So you pair that room together, that would be great for next year. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. You've come full circle, Jay. I'm proud. I've, I've come full circle. But listen, I've got the Cowboys winning this game. I think Dak has rebounded. He had a little bit of a slump in the middle of the year. But over the last four games, he has 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, Zeke and Pollard will have a tough time running the ball just because, you know, that San Francisco 49ers run defense is very stout. Out, and it's hard to run those guys. Um, but I think with just Dak Prescott is going to be have to put into his shoulders. He's going to probably air the ball out. CeeDee Lamb's probably going to have a huge game. Um, and I think the, 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 the Cowboys are probably going to end up winning this game. I'm going to go the opposite route. I'm going San Francisco. Mm, okay. I think the 49ers can win this game. I mean, I, I think Kyle Shanahan is going to find a way to scheme Debo Samuel. Absolute dog. Absolute dude. Um, I think he broke Jerry Rice's record for mm-hmm. for receiving yards for the franchise in a season, if I if I recall correctly, um, something along those lines. So he's up there in the in the category of Jerry Rice from the 49ers for like a season receiving yards or total yards, something like that. But I mean, he he's a dude. He's a dude out of South uh, South Carolina. They found him uh, during the uh, the Senior Bowl a couple of years ago, and uh, he he's an absolute stud in the uh, in the NFL. Um, the, the, the only thing that worries me for Dallas is, is the defense. And as much as we want a lot of, you know, the, uh, the linebacker, that, that rookie who's just wrecking games out of, out of Penn State or Trayvon Diggs, the, the corner that's got double-digit interceptions for the season, they do give up, like, the, the most yards per play uh, as a secondary. And I think Kyle Shanahan can't exploit that. And I think they're going to scheme up Debo. They're going to scheme up um, uh, George Kittle out there. 
Um, and I, I think they're going to make life hard a little bit, you know, life uh, a little bit harder for Micah Parsons and, and Leighton Vander Esch and, and company out there. Um, I have a little bit more faith in the defense for the 49ers as well, too. Just Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead coming off the off the edge. They can kind of play inside, or at least Eric Armstead can play a little bit inside. Um, so I, I like the 49ers in the spot. The point spreads at three and a half. I think the 49ers cover that, and I think they win that outright. Question. Yeah. Do you think Trey Lance has a uh, has a couple plays in the game? Nope. No. I don't nope. think so. Okay. All right. All right. So you got the 49ers. You're not gonna. You're not. You're not betting anymore, are, are you? You're not putting any money down, huh? Uh, not right now. I, I went bust a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I'm gonna cool it for a little bit. Uh, right now, there just isn't a whole lot of spreads that excite me. That's like, okay, I'm definitely gonna jump on this line before it changes. Like maybe the 49ers at three and a half, but I feel like that number's about right. Barring some catastrophic COVID news, I don't think that number's gonna budge. Um, so like maybe the 49ers, but that's kind of where well, I'm at for betting. This well, I slate. bring up betting because I was wondering if you would jump at this next spread, because when I saw this spread for a playoff game, I almost fell off my chair. The Chiefs and Steelers are playing uh, on um, on Sunday night and it's a 12.5 point spread. Like that is absolutely insane. 12 and a half. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't you want to jump on that? I would. But again, it's it's the, I still have PTSD of the Chiefs never covering a spread. Like ever, and the Steeler defense is is still good. Like, but you know, and granted, you know, Big Ben, geriatric Ben, um, <laughs> he's gonna wheel himself out there uh, to to hike the ball. He's he might be good for a pick six or two, but it's just the Chiefs to me. I got I got PTSD, man. I, I I'm not laying twelve and a half. There's mm-hmm. there's no way. Yeah, like, and well, I I think. This is going to be a blowout. I think what we saw earlier this year was the 38-10 drubbing of the Steelers uh, on, by the Chiefs. I think this could be just as bad because, you know, yeah, I understand you got to keep an eye on Tyreek's, you know, heel injury. That's always something concerned. Whenever you see a heel, heel injury in the NFL, that generally means there's some issue or information with the Achilles as well connecting mm-hmm. to the bone heel. So that you got to keep an eye on that. But even with that, Tyreek, I think there's going to be no issue with the Chiefs beating the Steelers. And I'm kind of mad that, you know, the NFL has put this on a primetime slot. You could easily set this up into like a 1 p.m. on a Sunday and nobody would bat an eye. But if the, if the Steelers have any chance of winning, and that's a long if, that's if T.J. Watt has an absolute heyday. I mean, right now he's tied Strahan with the sacks for the for the season, 22.5. You know, he, he has that record. But if he can show up and cause havoc and make Patrick Mahomes feel uncomfortable, I, I think that's the only key for the Steelers to win. However, I don't see that happening. I don't see Big Ben, um, you know, being able to match points with, uh, with Patrick Mahomes. On top of that, I don't understand how they run their offense. Their offense is... You know they'll throw for fifty times a game, but it's one hundred forty-three yards in total, which I don't understand. No shit, it's all it's all dinking and dunking. It's a check down to Najee Harris. Like I don't think there's a route, Jay. I don't think there's a route beyond ten yards, Mm -hmm. if that. Well, is that is that is that more of just um, them not having confidence in Big Big Ben's arm? Like I, I don't understand that. I, th- I think it is because you got you got Deontay Johnson who can spread the field. Mm-hmm. You got you know uh, Chase Claypool, which listen his his 
game time decisions of we're going to celebrate a first down and, and take time off the clock against the Vikings. Like that aside, like he's a big body dude who can get down the field and like you're not even really taking that many shots down there. Like I, I think it has to be, you know, Ben's got too much mileage on that shoulder. We're going to have him throw it 52 times still, but everything's going to be with it like 10 yards or, or less or check down to Najee. Dude, uh, 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 well, I can't. I can't. Well, I've I've been looking at um, the Steelers. I'm sorry, at Big Ben stats before when I was doing prep for the show, and like, it's it's pretty bad, dude. It's it's like Mac Jones numbers. Like, I'm not even like taking a shot at Mac Jones, but it's 64 uh, completion percentage, 3,700 yards, 22 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 86 rating, and, and I mean that's just absolutely abysmal. And let me pull up Mac Jones stats because I feel like they're somewhat in the same ballpark as well. Um, yeah, 3,800 yards, 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, um, with the higher completion percentage at 67 and a 92 overall rating. So, like, you know, it, we just see how bad Big Ben has deteriorated this year, and I feel bad for him that, you know, you're excited as a Steelers fan to go into the playoffs. However, like, I think it's going to be a sad sight to see him getting drubbed off the field against the, the Chiefs, and that's going to be the lasting image that Steelers fan have of Big Ben. You feel me? Like, it would have been fine if they beat the Ravens, you beat your rival on a last second, you know, slug it out, 13-13 game on a field goal, you win off, you go off as a victor. But now you've got to see him get his, you know... I was going to say something vulgar there, but you're going to see his ass get, kicked. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah. He's, you're going to see a drubbing and that's going to be the last unfortunate sight you're going to have a big Ben uh, coming off the field. You know? Well, well, first thing is his name is geriatric Ben. Geriatric. So ben. they're going to take him out on a gurney. They're going to, I, they're I going to wheel out a gurney at the 50 yard line. He's going to, they'll get the card out. He'll stick his hand up. He'll give a thumbs up and then he'll roll out to, he'll roll out of the tunnel and then we'll never see him again until he gets inducted in the hall of fame. But, I'm, I'm, I'm not joking when I say this, but like, you know, I, I told you about some of my stuff happening with my family and the fact that my father was in the hospital for a little bit with COVID. You know, there were some bleak times and I'm not lying to you. I've pulled up that meme of him falling over, doing nothing but standing there to give me a laugh and a chuckle. Give me a laugh. And it worked. Every time I watched that that gif or meme of him falling over, just standing there, I, I just lose it. I laugh so hard, yep. you know. It's like Grandpa Simpson. That's geriatric Ben. That's that's what he is. Yeah. But in short, I am not laying twelve and a half. You can lay twelve and a half if you want. I want nothing to do with it. Puma, if I if I didn't have to drive two hours to Indiana, I I would. Like I thought I would be able to do that, but it's so hard. Like trying to find the time to go all the way out there and then come back. So. I Ohio needs to get on with this legalized gambling, and I think they are. I think they, they've signed it into legislation. It's just got to go through the process of getting everything set up, and it shouldn't be probably – it should be up and running probably around like April next year. Nice. So, cha-ching, parlays for life, baby. Parlays for life, let's go. Speaking of which, there's a uh, new uh, sports club, bar, restaurant opening in downtown Columbus called Parlays. Oh, oh you're going to buy stock in that joint, huh? I'm there every Sunday, bro. <laughs> I'm there every Sunday. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right, let's move on to the final game. Uh, the first ever Monday Night Football playoff game. The Arizona Cardinals are taking on the Los Angeles Rams in what's going to be a great game to watch. Um, the, Puma, let me turn over to you real quick and like, get, your, uh, get your picks for this game. Uh, 
Yeah, so right now the spread is at three and a half. The chart, uh, the Raider, Jesus H. Let me try to get one more California team. The LA Rams are laying three and a half against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I'm I'm gonna lay the three and a half with the Rams. I think they're gonna win. I'm I'm going back to a couple of weeks ago when the Rams were just absolutely ravaged by COVID and they uh, they pulled off the win. Uh, they pulled off the win against the Cardinals uh, at home against the uh, on the road rather against the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, I, I think we're going to see that again. I, I think uh, we're going to see that that defense anchored by Aaron Donald uh, just wreck uh, the run game uh, for uh, for the Cardinals. I mean, James Conner, is he going to be go? I, 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 you know, he he was he missed the, the remaining part of the game last week with an injury. Chase Edmonds was out with an injury. And, you know, Jay, you've been on it for a couple of weeks, and you've been spot on, in my opinion, on something like the body language aspect of, of Kyler Murray. And I've been a little bit more critical of dancing Cliff Kingsbury with some of the <laughs> game planning and, and, and whatnot and some of the coaching decisions. I think that's going to rear its ugly head again. I think the the Rams and Sean McVay are going to roll with the three and a half. It's just whether or not Stafford, is he going to be the Stafford the first four weeks of the season where he was just airing the ball out a ton and didn't throw any interceptions? Or is he going to be the Jared Goff aspect of of Matthew Stafford where he is a bit of a pick machine and does have short circuit interceptions you know, to the level of Carson Wentz. But that aside, I'm going with the Rams winning at home. Um, the first dance of Kyler Murray in the playoffs is going to end in the first round. Uh, the spread's at three and a half. The over-under's 49. I feel like the over-under's about right. I might take the under. But I'm definitely laying the three and a half with the, with the Rams here. You know what the funny thing about this game is, Puma? If you go all the way back to week four, the Cardinals embarrassed the Rams. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Do you remember how long yep. ago that was? Like, so much has happened with the Rams season. And, you know, uh, we've, we've heard on this a few times today, but the Rams, uh, but the Cardinals are also one of those teams that started out hot. And then they had a couple of hiccups uh, in the middle of the season, especially with Kyler Murray getting hurt, DeAndre Hopkins getting hurt. And then they haven't been the same ever since. And they lost four out of the last five games. They lost this past week in a very meaningful game against the Seattle Seahawks where they blew blew the the, the chance to win the NFC West uh, division. And if that was the case, they would be hosting the game instead of traveling to L.A. And so, same thing with the Rams. They were up 17-0 against the, against the 49ers. And they also backed their way into the NFC uh, West title because they lost that game to the 49ers so both teams have had some issues ups and downs but at the end of the day I think you're right Puma like I just can't fathom the amount of star power on that Rams roster to be to get bounced in the first round like could you imagine the storylines coming out of that the fact that they blew their future on Matt Stafford and OBJ comes in and Von Miller is there and they just get bounced in the first round mm-hmm. by a quarterback that's not playing well at all right now um, I, I think that, that that's going to be a hard pill to swallow I think I think Cam Akers is going to be the key here. He came back. He yep. looked. He had some burst. He went out in July with an Achilles injury. He came back. His first game was against the 49ers this past week, and he looked decent. He he isn't obviously the old Cam Akers, but I think he will provide them with enough of a running attack to really get their offense rolling. And what a lot of people don't know is Sean McVay wants to run the ball. Like everybody has this idea that Sean McVay is an offensive genius, and he is. Trust me, he is. But they they don't understand that his offense is based around some basic run zone concepts that they kind of like play action off of that so if the if the ball gets rolling well in the running it in the running game i think matthew stafford should have a good game 
The other person you want to keep an eye on for the Rams as they move forward is Von Miller. Obviously, we know what Jalen Ramsey is and we know what Aaron Donald is, but Von Miller is starting to flash a little bit. He won't do it every week now, but when they really need him, they he kind of shows up. So I think, you know, get, take that into account in the playoffs. They're really going to need him. They're probably going to rest him up for late in the games, not play him every play and not play him every down. And, and I think he's going to be a guy you want to keep an eye on. Yes, sir. So basically, we're we're counting the Cardinals out, huh? They're they're basically done. They're toast, huh? I think so. I think if if they win, I will take the L, and I will be pre- present pleasantly surprised. But it's just down the stretch, dude. Like you said, you pointed out, and you've been spot on. Just like the the Kyler Murray body language type of deal, and and whatnot. And you know, I I think you you were talking about it on the pod the last couple of weeks of. There's been pressure on high on this coaching staff of, you know, we need to make it in the playoffs. We need to be winning in convincing fashion. And then they, they backed into the playoffs here. So I feel like that pressure is going to mount. It's going to rear its likely head. I think there's actually going to be a little bit more Rams fans in attendance at SoFi than uh, last week against the, the 49ers where it was all San Francisco 49ers fans. Um, so I, I think the, the walls are going to start closing in. I got the Rams winning this game and, It'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens because Vance Joseph uh, of the the Arizona Cardinals uh, coaching staff he's getting a lot of buzz over the last couple of hours as being a potential uh, head coaching interview candidate and and rightfully so considering what he's done for the Cardinals I know he had a bad uh, a bad experience in Denver um, but I think he, if he gets a second bite at the apple I think he might actually succeed a little bit depending on the landing spot he goes to but. Yeah, I uh, I think when DeAndre Hopkins went down for the uh, for the year, I think that offensive firepower kind of went with him too. What what was uh, exactly DeAndre Hopkins' injury? Was it like an ACL or something? Is he gone no, for was, the rest of the year? I feel like it, I think it was an ACL, but he had a lot of soft tissue injuries this year too, like with the hamstrings and whatnot. He would only play a handful of series. But I believe it was a knee injury. Yeah, injury reserve. Yeah, it looks like it was a knee yeah. injury. Well, that, that speaks volumes to the fact that, because listen, whenever I see soft tissue injuries, a lot of times, and this is not all the time, so relax everybody, a lot of times it comes back down to the fact that people, these players just didn't put the time and effort in in the offseason, right? Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of times when you see these hamstrings reoccur, it's usually one of those things where they let, the, let their hamstrings and muscles get out of shape, and as the season ramped up, they try to do too much too quick, and then it just becomes a nightmare of an issue getting back into shape. So I wonder, you know, that's probably what's at play here at here as well, and I just didn't expect that out of somebody like DeAndre Hopkins that is you know yep so all right puma well listen we're at uh close to 70 70 minutes here man do you uh do you want to get to anything else or do you want to call it a day i think we're good i mean real quick just for a best bet segment before before we get to that i actually wanted to pick your brain on who is your updated um Super Bowl contender, Super Bowl matchup going into the playoffs. We, I gave mine last week, which was the Packers versus the Chiefs, um, and I just wanted to get yours on record as well before we move into the playoffs. Um, let's see. Let's start with the AFC. You've got obviously. The I'm gonna roll. Like, I'm I'm gonna roll with the Bills. Still, I was nice. with them at the beginning of the year. I'll still go with the Bills coming out of the AFC, uh, especially because they've got a little bit of a semblance of a run game here. So I'll go with the Bills, uh, and then coming out of the NFC. Oh, God, I, I just have images of like the Packers laying another egg in the NFC Championship game. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm going to go with the Packers here too. I'll go. I'll go Packers. Packers. Bills. Super Bowl. Oh, that should be a fun one. Watch a little mm-hmm. Josh Allen. Watch a little Aaron Rodgers. I, I would wholeheartedly be rooting for the Bills to win that one. Yes, sir. All right, Puma, you got your best bet segment. Yeah, best bets. I'm going to lay the five with the Cincinnati Bengals against the Raiders here, and I'm going to take the three and a half points that the 49ers are getting from the Dallas Cowboys. Those are my only two bets if I'm going to bet this game. All right. Well, let's uh, let's plug it up and call it a day, my man. All right. So this episode of the pod and previous episodes of the podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcast. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and the Pro Football Radio Podcast on Apple. Be sure to leave a five-star review. Helps with uh, the algorithm out in Palo Alto to get our exposure to the masses. Uh, for YouTube, be sure to hit that little bell button on the on the video to get that subscribe notification every time the maestro, the captain of the ship, J. Chima, drops one on the YouTube page. You'll get notified. And you'll be able to watch it immediately. Uh, social media-wise, Facebook and Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter, at PFR Podcast. I'm on the Twitter machine, Brando underscore Puma. The captain of the ship, Jay Chima, is at Jay Chima. Like, subscribe, download, hit us up on the DMs, especially with some of the coaching carousels going on, some of the, the, the NFL playoff implications of, you know, is COVID going to rear its likely head? We still got a little bit of time before game time and game kickoff. Who knows what's going to happen? Be sure to follow us on social media to get all the latest updates and breaking news around the league. All right. Well, that does it for me. I uh, hope you guys enjoy Super Wild Card Weekend. I know I'm getting ready for it. I'm sitting in front of the couch. The set is going to be great. I'm going to watch the Raiders game with my sister. She almost made me punch her the other night when she was talking hella crazy about Justin Herbert. But I'm going to be there with her. I'm going to be supporting her. Hopefully the Raiders win for her sake. And then Saturday night. Bills Patriots round three. I'm super excited for that one, Puma. So let's go. We'll talk to you guys next week. Via con Dios.